Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the first post-lockout edition of Sharing Socks, our first show in months. <laughs> I think it's yeah. our first show of 2022. It is, the first of the year. We normally do this once a week on Wednesdays. We put this off till Saturday because everybody was doing something Friday because of the end of the lockout. And we expected all kinds of things to happen in 24 hours, and not too much did, but a little bit. I'm Lee Allen, the... Uh, Duty geriatric at uh, Southside Sox. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And I am actually uh, the Ohio Valley correspondent today, uh, staying at Will's sister's house with family, which means munchkins in the house who could be coming in and out of uh, the discussion at any time. Though I hope they know, say, go Sox when I got to ask you, I got to ask you about this rebranding real quick as the you, you've always been the duty geezer, and today you went with duty geriatric. Is that? It's the first is, of the year. You know, it, oh, I've okay. aged. Okay. All right. That's what it, so this I'm, I'm going to revert to geezer after, after this one, but I just okay. thought, yeah. you know, it's been and a I long, mean, hard winter without baseball stuff. Yeah, you just, you aged more during this offseason exactly. than you would have normally. Yeah, uh, because beard's all fuzzy and stuff. Because the MLB owners decided to make this winter extra hard on us. They they did. Uh, yeah. So they, the uh, contract is out over. there. It, yeah. it's, it's been done. Uh, I thought the players gave in on some things maybe they shouldn't have. And it was interesting that their executive committee voted 8 nothing against it. And then the teams voted, I think it was 26-4 in favor. Uh, I don't think either side, I don't think they got very far on trying to solve competitive balance. No, that was definitely the the area that I think in reality was holding things up the most because they were so far apart and nobody would move on it. It did end up moving a little bit, uh, but the players, I agree, they did not get everything they should have gotten. That being said... I don't see a big issue with the subcommittee voting 8-0 against it and the teams voting for it just because the subcommittee is 
essentially all the guys who are making the premium premium dollar playing this game yeah, and mostly. the teams the teams are going to represent a little bit more of the guys who are getting that 725,000 minimum uh so i didn't view it as a slight from the subcommittee to everyone else i didn't view it as a as a slight against the subcommittee from from all the teams uh i am just glad that they worked it out we had we had canceled what two weeks of the season at that point now they're back uh they're back yeah but the next day that we would have lost was the 75th anniversary of jackie robinson uh playing his first game and that would have i think been a baseball death sentence if we didn't get to celebrate that guy the way we should would would have definitely been very very bad a couple of things that came out. I mean, there's been umpteen discussion we don't need to get into about how many dollars went this way or that way. But a couple of things that came out at the very end that I never saw mentioned by anybody during the course of events involved the schedule. And I don't mean eliminating a week this year, but the schedule in the future. First of all, going international, playing games in places like London and Tokyo, and there were several others named that I don't remember. And the other big one, from the point of view of Sox and Sox fans, is that they're going to try to balance the schedule so that right. you will play all, not in not in 2022, but in 2023 forward, you will play all 29 teams. So you won't just have one interleague division to play. And this will all be made up for by reducing the number of games within your division. Now, from the Sox point of view, if they could play all the games within the division, they could go 130 and 32 because the division is pure crap. But from a fan's point of view, you get tired of going, hey, let's go to a ball game. Who is it? Oh, it's the Royals. No, you're going to have actual baseball teams, not minor league teams, actual major league teams coming into Chicago to play games uh, at the Gurf. And that I, would be nice. I'm very into that change. I think that change is one of the coolest ideas to come out of all of this is the fact that we could, we potentially could see the White Sox in, you know, 20 different stadiums during the season is, is really exciting to me. And, and I, I'm with you and I think everyone else and saying, Oh God, the Tigers again, the twins again, the Royals again, it's exhausting. The guardians who, yeah. Well, I don't even know about that team at this point, um, but I am very excited that we're going to get to play some more of the uh, NL West and the NL East and uh, potentially get some well, more. Well, in the American games. League East, more, more. And, and then the American League West, East. more, presumably. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it seemed to me if you played three games against every National League team with one additional one for your rival, so we played four with the Cubs, and then you played six with each of the other divisions in your league, that would leave 14 games rather than 19 games each against uh, your interdivision uh, opponents. I, I like that reduced even more, but I, I was thinking Me it's too, at least yeah. going to be that. Uh, and they may balance it more within the league. And again, I while it will lessen the White Sox record, it gives the White Sox a much less chance of having the best record in the league and therefore a buy in the first round of the playoffs and so forth. But I think it also gets them ready for the playoffs. They, they, they stink in the playoffs because they go all season barely ever playing a good team. Two-thirds of their games last year were against teams under 500, as opposed to being – it should be slightly, slightly 
more than 500 because you're over 500. But right. uh, you get used to playing. You know, but I mean, Dylan Cease eventually has to win a game against a good team. I think he did one last year. Uh, he can't. Uh, yes, he could go 19-0 and 0 if he could face the Tigers every time. But he needs to get some practice in against guys who know how to play the game. Uh, and the same where the Sox really hurt against good teams was pitching. The hitters yes. hit slightly less. Okay, that's to be expected. You're playing better teams. The pitching was way worse against good teams than against bad teams. So to give the pitchers a better chance, maybe give LaRusso a chance to learn how to manage. Uh, or remember, I know he learned once. Uh, but you know, memories, memories faded there. Yeah, I... Uh... I mean, I think whatever we can do to have to play better teams to earn the right to get that playoff spot. Obviously, they're expanding the playoffs now uh, to let more people in. But, yeah, I mean, when you play the Twins and the the Guardians and the Tigers and the Royals uh, all year and you get to that first round against, you know, Tampa or New York or Boston. Uh, and there, there was a time when each, each of those teams has been good at one time in the last – 20 years or so, but they're all been tanking lately. So it's you and four tanking teams. And it does also more so than other divisions seem to be that only one of the five teams is very good at any time. You know, there are exceptions to that over the last two decades, but very often in the AL Central, it has been one good team, one Pretty good team and three absolute seller garbage. Very good. I mean, look at the, the twenty twenty season where we had three playoff teams with identical records, uh, which among them won one playoff game. And that was the White Sox. Uh, and of course, the same. The NL Central's pretty similar. The two central divisions are pathetic. Uh, yeah, Milwaukee I mean, and St. They, Louis though are both pretty good right now. So you got two, two decent teams over there. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I, I was I'm. Look forward to that in 2023 coming up. Meanwhile, what do we look forward to in 2022? We expected all this huge free agent work as soon as the contract is. People were saying, will it be two minutes after or three minutes after when the first contract is signed? First one to go, Carlos Rodon. Yeah. the uh... Two years, $44 million to the Giants with his choice of coming back for the second year. So it's a real oh, I didn't realize that. He has an option. He has an option on the second year. So if he has oh, a super man. 2022, he can go for the big money again. And if he doesn't, he gets another $22 million. It's actually 21 and a half and 22 and a half or something, but it's right around there. Uh, that I think is going to turn out to be a colossal mistake on the part of the White Sox. I well, admittedly. Well, to say it, it either is or it isn't. You know, it's. It, Rodon, I don't think is that is going to be in the middle anywhere. I, I don't think he's going to be. I think we're going to see Rodon get hurt, or we're going to see Rodon be great. I am, unfortunately for White Sox fans, thinking he's going to be great. Uh, I I think, and I and the guy, and it was the St. Louis, not the St. Louis, the Seattle page of, of South SB Nation, our, our fellows over from Seattle, who, who did this brilliant analysis with videos of Rodon through the years and showed what Ethan Katz, and I'm a huge Ethan Katz fan too, uh, had done with him in 2021. What he had changed so that instead of just being arm and the arm going kaput, that he was using lower body. And the only, you know, we have, as a rule, very good commenters on Southside Sox. 
They don't get a lot of comments except for game threads, but the ones they are are generally very intelligent, except when it comes to Rodon. And they are like, well, Rodon, Rodon gets hurt all the time. You didn't learn. You didn't. It, yes, he, he pooped out last year. Well, let's see. He pitched 40 innings in two years, and our idiot manager threw him over 100 pitches five games in a row in April and early May. Gee, what a surprise when everybody out there was saying, you got to really take it easy with your pitchers. And that's for guys who pitched the whole shortened season. He didn't pitch any of it. And you know, all our guys were worn out. I mean, our, our starting staff was done yeah. by the end of the year. And it, it certainly was done in the playoffs. And it was I, that was I, Russo. That was totally Russo. I definitely think this is actually going to be a, a, a situation that comes back to haunt us. Um, because Rodon is also moving over to a very surprisingly good Giants team last year. Where Ethan Katz came from and learned his trade better. Exactly. And, uh, you know, to not give Rodon the qualifying offer and then to see him sign this deal does make me think that he would have taken the qualifying offer to stay with the White Sox. He loves this team. He loves Boros, Boros though, doesn't. Sure, but, at, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to Carlos and his, and Ashley, his wife, on, on where they're going to be. And, you know, the White Sox really stuck with Carlos for years in, in a market where I, I'm not sure other teams would have. So I think you would have seen some loyalty return there. Uh, not that anybody needs to be loyal to teams at all in any way, but... You know, he clearly was in with those guys. Uh, he was clearly very close with Lucas, Giolito, and Dylan Cease. And uh, it, it would have been just amazing to see him come back. You know, it's just a guess that he would have taken it. Um, I can't sit here and say he would have taken it. But uh, they got a deal, actually. I, I think if Rodon is healthy, the Giants got a deal even at $22 million Because his upside is way past 22 million a year his, his downside is you know the the injury thing but uh yeah unfortunately we're not going to get to see carlos rodon in a white Sox uniform for the next at least two years and i think that's a, a huge hit to this team and i think starting pitching now becomes a, a pretty glaring issue um, and Han, Han on Friday is going, we need another starting pitcher. Well, yes, you're going to because you got guys on very controlled innings. you got shortened spring training. You're, yeah, you're going to need one. And good luck. Yeah, good luck. It's not going to be an easy I, I just saw that uh, and, and we're in danger of anything we say being outdated before it's off our mouths, let alone recorded, let alone on hey, the I, I hope that's the case. The Blue Jays have signed Kikuchi. So that was another prospect, prospective free agent out there to go. Uh, not too much out there um, has happened so far. Of course, we're desperate need of a backup catcher. The Angels just re-signed Suzuki. Just uh, moments Suzuki. ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I look at the backup catcher. A year ago, the backup catcher situation was wonderful. You got to pick one of 10 guys and, and had a real serious improvement. This year, it's, it's really bad. Well, let's uh, – I know this is your favorite topic to talk about uh, on, on podcasts as backup catchers, and I, I do actually want to keep talking about it. But let's take a quick break. This seems like a good time because then we can come back 
and start talking about the needs for the team moving forward in free agency. I'll be shocked if the White Sox make any moves while we're recording this podcast. Other teams will, but I'll be shocked if the White Sox do. But let's take a quick break, and hopefully during the break we come back and learn that the uh, White Sox have signed a bunch of studs. Uh, We'll be right back on Sharing Socks. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. Uh, we've kind of done our lockout talk, and we are no longer locked out uh, on our lockout talk. We're happy to be back here in 2022 uh, sharing some socks with you all. We're going to talk about what the team needs moving forward, which leads us to uh, the geezer or geriatric. Uh, he's trying out a new name today. He's workshopping it. It's not going well. Uh but we're going to talk about backup catchers. Uh, uh, we, I mean, I, there's not, I look, the choices are like Stephen Vogt, Jeff Mathis. Mathis is 39. Austin Romine might be huh. as good a choice yeah. as is out there. That's desperation. Uh, it's really, really, really bad situation there. Maybe we should move, uh, move on to something else. Uh, one of our, our fellow writers, Trooper Galactus, did a piece uh, Saturday morning on uh, possible trades to get rid of Craig Kimbrell. And one of the ones he wanted to do was to Texas for uh, kind of Falafa. So we'd have a second baseman coming in, which we desperately need. And uh, about three minutes after he wrote that kind of Falafa was on his way to Minnesota <laughs> in exchange for somebody going back to Texas. So uh, um, that's uh, the second baseman situation. It's not good. I mean, I, I the, no, the, it's not the good at all. The people keep bringing up the oh, we should get this guy. We should get the guy, Jeff McNeil. Okay, Jeff McNeil's an all star. Uh, <laughs> what would we like to give up? We're not going to get him for Craig Kimbrell. We might get him for uh, let's see. The Mets could use a starting pitcher. Uh, I don't know that that they'd be satisfied for another sixteen million dollar washed up. Uh, old left-hander. <laughs> I don't think so. So I, we don't have any starting pitchers to give. I mean, eh. uh, that's basically but their need. The situation uh, we we find ourselves in with with the second baseman is is really bad, and it just makes that Kimbrel deal look worse and worse oh, and worse. worse. Sixteen million dollars title. Of course, you've still got Story is still out there. You want to spend the money for him. Uh, Correa is out there, $300 million. Jerry will cough that up in a minute. Yeah, uh, Chris Bryant. Gene Segura of the Phillies keeps getting mentioned by various people who really hope the White Sox can find a brain-dead general manager in Philadelphia. Uh, Phillies need is a leadoff hitter. Well, we've got one. Uh, <laughs> they, they need relievers. Okay, that, that's, that's Kimbrell. Uh, and some middle-of-the-order hitters. So I suppose if we gave them Kimbrell and Anderson and Abreu, we might get Gene Segura back back for that. That would, that would seem about even. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they would also take uh, Anderson, Robert, and Moncada. I, I don't I think, think that's we possible. have to give up Abreu. Uh, <laughs> as long as we throw in Giolito and, and Cease as well, uh, we should be all right. And, and Hendricks. Uh, yeah, we have, and, and this is something I actually want to talk about because we have these spots to fill right field, second base pitching. I've seen a, a million genius tweets from White Sox Twitter saying what we really need is right field and second base. 
It's like, yes, we know. We have been saying that sentence for, <laughs> for years. a long time now. So my question to you is, in the trade market, because we know we're not likely to drop $300 million on a free agent, uh, who would you give up? Because that's something White Sox Twitter fights about the most. Well, I, I think I think the one thing guys. you're going to have to be willing to go, uh, and, and it is a boon, I think, to the White Sox that the National League will have the DH. Because we're a team full of DHs. Yeah. Um, Gavin Sheets is a DH. That's what he is, really. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, yes, he did fine in left field. But every time you say, well, he did fine in left field for a guy who's never played there, it's always for a guy who's never played there in whatever position he goes to. He's not a good fielder. Maybe a good, decent first baseman. But again, really a DH. Hell, Aloy is really a DH. Uh, yeah, you might. I mean, you'd expect an awful lot for Aloy, but uh, those... is Aloy is Aloy off the table for you? Yeah, for at least one more year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, so. I'm really. He, he did not have a good 2021, but I think that was just an aberration. I really do. Yeah, I. Uh... I'm very torn on Aloy because I do think uh, with 15 more teams looking for a DH, he just became a lot more valuable than he was a few days ago. Uh, We're in a position where we're going to have to give up some of these people. Our farm system has depleted its crap, and we can't hold on to Berger and Sheets and Vaughn and Aloy. We cannot. I think just, any of those first three, or any combination of those first three, is losable. Uh, I would trade. I would trade all three of the first three. Aloy would be the one I least want to trade. However, Aloy is the one who might get you a major return. Uh, that's but true. But yeah, there are too many people saying we can't lose Sheets, we can't lose Burger, we can't lose Vaughn. Well, then what do we have? We've got no one to trade. Yeah. If you yeah, do that, just 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 nothing. Uh, and of course. It's not like 15 teams in the National League suddenly are going to have to come to the White Sox for a DH. Some have somebody who's appropriate already. Uh, and there are a lot of outfielders still on the market, free agent outfielders. Castellanos is still out there. Conforto's still out there. We expected the White Sox to be a name bandied about with Conforto all the time. I saw an article on Conforto. Uh, Yesterday, just going here yeah. are the teams that are in there, and it was, it was half a dozen teams. The White Sox weren't one of them. Um, yeah, uh, I, I saw that. Saw that same piece. That was. Uh, I was very surprised to see the White Sox were not. I would in love that to see the White Sox on a, in on the, uh, say Suzuki. Um, I don't yeah. think that's going to work. Uh, nope. So it's it's very disappointing what they're. You know, Honda's saying we're looking, we're working, but I. I, I I was reading between they're going, yeah, we're just going to go with this. We're going to win our division no matter what happens. We we could take people out of the stands to play. And win but I don't know that we are going to win the division no matter what happens. There, People are sleeping on, on Detroit in a Detroit, way that's, now, that's it, it what Detroit does at this point. Detroit's done some good things, not enough. If they take another step, then all of a sudden they could be pretty good. Yeah, if Detroit says, you know what, if if signing the one big free agent is going to push us over the White Sox, they're probably going to do it. And the White Sox 
don't have that mentality. Um, I think we're going to have to trade a lot of these young guys, if not all of those young guys, to really build a World Series team. Because as we stand right now, we're not even close to a World Series team. We're, we're just not close. We're sitting on the, the terrible Kimbrel deal. We're missing major parts of our lineup, including, credit to you, a backup catcher, which we desperately need unless we want to kill yeah, Yasmani Grandal. I, I, I would think it would be very, very lucky with his increasing age, the injuries he's had in the last couple of years, if Grandal catches as many as 120 games. I think that would be very fortunate. And honestly, we don't want him to have to do that. It's not even necessarily about can he do that. It's we don't want to have to make him catch that many games so we can keep his legs fresh into October and November. And, and of course, we we talk about his defense uh, historically. He's not that good defensively anymore. He never has been as far as throwing people out and, and, and that kind of thing. He has been for framing, but last year his framing scored very average. Right yep. smack dab in the middle, like 15th in, in the majors. Uh, so it's not there anymore. So you can use him more at, a, at first base or DHing. Uh, I think if, honestly, if you've got somebody point, else to catch, and we've got nobody. No one. Uh, I The number one thing for me is is a defensive-minded backup catcher. I honestly don't care if the backup catcher hits 115. That's what our catchers hit anyway. Uh, But we need someone back there who knows how to play that position and play it well. And I'm I'm fine with, you know, not having the best catcher in the world behind the plate when Grindall's back there because he has a on-base percentage over 400. And he's hitting 150. Clearly an emotional leader on the team as well. But what we really, really need is for that backup catcher to be a defensive threat because it's he's not going to be an offensive threat. Look at what's out there. there. There's not a catcher out there who's going to come in as our backup catcher and hit 290 with 15, 20 home runs. It's just highly unlikely to happen. So what they have to be thinking is get someone who can catch the ball, frame the ball, throw runners out. We do not. We have not had a catcher who's really good at that in some time. I, I don't know where that guy is. He's sitting in the minors somewhere, probably. Uh, but they gotta they gotta start thinking about the defensive aspect of that position because you can't have you know a Zach Collins out there calling games, calling pitches. It, it's just it's not right. It's not going to get you there. It's not going to get you that World Series. We are in desperate need back there. I think I might be preaching the backup catcher even more than you preach it this year. Which is uh, hard to do. But that's just because you preached it so much last year. I poo-pooed you preaching it so much last year. And then it became such a horrible, <laughs> glaring, awful thing for the team uh, last season that now I'm just like, okay, the geezer slash geriatric was right. We got to get this backup <laughs> catcher going. And you know how hard it is. For me to admit that you're right, you know yes, how I, hard that is. I, I have thirty some years practice at that. Yeah. It's in the blood. It's in the blood that you gave me, and uh, we both don't like admitting the other person's right in in a fair, fair and friendly way. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just very concerned about who's going to be behind home plate. 
I I love Yaz. I I think it's he's a great person to have on the team, but I would love to see him playing first base a lot more, DHing more, uh, just to keep his legs fresh because he is more valuable to us as a power hitter later in the season. And that requires those legs to be in really good shape. Because once you get to, you know, late September, early October, the legs are are what go first. Which, speaking of legs, Moncada, you know, hopefully we see Moncada bounce back a bit more this year. Now, I am forever a pro Moncada guy. Uh, There's a lot of White Sox Twitter that just poo-poos Moncada all day long they don't want him they think he stinks even though every step essentially proves otherwise uh they're just like oh he's terrible he can't play he can't hit i think we still saw a lot of the 2020 effects on Moncada last year they say oh he doesn't want to play baseball he doesn't even want to be there uh i disagree with that i think he does want to be there i think he was still recuperating from this horrible bout of COVID over last season. I think when you're dealing with someone who's that strong, if you get, if you get hit that hard by it, it, it takes a lot of time. Remember with, with that illness, there's a lot of blood oxygen issues. And so the legs are going to be really, really hard to get back if you've had, and, and I don't mean for walking around you and I, you know, we could walk around, but the the kind of power that we're asking from Mankata's legs, he very well could have been battling some lower uh, some lower blood oxygen levels, and and that could have been dealing that could have been adding to why he hasn't been quite as good. I expect a full bounce back from Yohan Mankata. It, it's forward. interesting you talk about White Sox Twitter because you know I'm not on Twitter, never have been, and uh, don't best want to be. You- Best decision you could make. And I, and I mentioned earlier in the, in the cast, I think our commenters on, on Southside Sox tend to be very intelligent, very knowledgeable people, by and large, overwhelmingly. You and I both have spent a lot of time lately, as I'm sure other people have, on MLB trade rumors during the course of negotiations. I think it's a superb site. I think they've got great sources. I think they know every player in the majors and most in the minors. They The guys are good at uh, analysis, the guys are good writers. It's really good, but I have made the mistake while nothing else was going on of going down to the comments. They've got the <laughs> stupidest commenters. I mean, they're just dumb. Some of them hate baseball players. It became very evident during the course of the negotiations. Yeah. They hate baseball players. So why are you spending time on a baseball site? <laughs> You know, if you can find the answer to that question, then this is all going to be cleared up and it's going to be great because there are, it's every single day that I see people talking about the White Sox just spewing absolute nonsense that, you know, oh gosh, I'm so glad you're not on, in, in your geriatric age, uh, <laughs> I'm just glad you don't have to read this. And and I will also agree with you that uh, for the most part, the Southside Sox people are the smart people who are writing these smart responses to these idiots. Uh, we, and and not only smart, when the season gets on and we have these 200 comment strings during the game, they're funny on purpose. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're enjoyable comments to read. 
Well, uh, we can but not on an MLB rumors, trade rumors. But uh, well, not on any site really, other than that. Because uh, anytime you click comments anywhere, you're really <laughs> dancing with the devil a little bit. Especially since we've learned over the last two years that more than half of the country is four years, really, six years, really, uh, <laughs> that uh, over half of the country is idiots. And uh, I think, you know, comment sections on sports pages are where those idiots really come out to show their their good stuff. And, and you know, a lot of times they'll offer hot takes such as, uh, I think baseball should be nine innings. Uh, you know, these are really genius uh, takes that we've never oh, heard. Incidentally, we, we should be very happy with the fact they have reverted the rules to real baseball. We're going to have yes. nine inning games, even on the double headers. And that stupid man on second has been done away with. Yeah, and there's, I'm, what was, I'm what was thrilled, the that they, they I'm thrilled about the doubleheader thing. I know a lot of the a lot of people on on White Sox Twitter don't like that they're changing back to that because of the potential for injuries. But honestly, if you can't play doubleheaders that are the actual length of baseball games, you got to figure out a different way to play the game if if that's going to lead to too many injuries. I well, understand. They've, they've I understand played doubleheaders for 100 years, 100 yeah. and some years with nine innings, and, and they were very rare uh, this century because of owner greed. But in the 20th century, extremely common almost every Sunday, plus twinite doubleheaders. Uh, it's one thing that the pitchers can't pitch as much anymore because now they're throwing 100, 100 miles an hour, you know. But and it's different. They were they were kind of pacing themselves, the starting pitchers mm-hmm. in, in in earlier years. But they a regular player can't go out there and play two nine inning games in the course of. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're maybe you know Nelson Cruz needs to be given a rest that second game. But that's why you have substitutes. And, you know, it doesn't make any sense. They can't play it. Yeah, well, that they can't play a sixteen inning game. Yeah, that is all. I mean, that has been a part of baseball for so long, and it's it's what makes baseball unique is the fact that the game could go on forever. Uh, the other sports don't really allow for that. I mean, I guess basketball could go on forever. Um, it's just far less likely to. Uh, but I think that's something that makes the game special. And And switching to... Seven-inning doubleheaders during the pandemic, I understood. I was fine with it. It happened. It was a thing. I'm very glad that we are going back to two full nine-inning games. The The mindset behind I want less baseball for the same amount of money is something I will never understand. And I get that the game is slow. The league does everything in their power to make this game worse for fans every year. They're they're trying to destroy the game. Well, I, think, I think we're going to have the, the clock really terrible next year. 2023, I think the pitch clock is going to be there, and it's going to be pretty severe. But it's yeah, not going to be the I, I think that the, the pitch clock is a good idea. Um, I, I hate the idea that we're having to use one because I wish pitchers would just pitch the damn ball. But More batters stay in the batter's box. True, but honestly, it at least for me watching, and I'm sure these stats are out there, but for me, it definitely feels like what the batters were doing to slow down the game in the early 2000s 
the pitchers are now doing to slow down the game uh, in the, in the, in the, uh, this last few years. And now we have both of those things happen. And that's why your game has become so, so much longer. Uh, that's without no more Garcia Pera. Exactly. Who alone could take an hour and a half or four at bats. But these pitchers, I, I mean, you know, the way that I'm really actually interested to see how the clock changes the game, because if the answer is the pitch clock makes it so you can't throw a hundred every pitch, I think that's helpful for baseball. I, I do. I, I think it's helpful for putting the ball in play. One of the things that is making this a three true outcome game is the fact that the pitchers are fully recuperating between each pitch so that they can throw 101 miles an hour again on the next pitch. Well, baseball was never about a guarantee that you get to rest between pitches. You know, look at Mark Burley, who essentially did not rest at all between <laughs> pitches. He, and I realized... I don't think he even in. rested between innings. <laughs> I think but, it's back to throwing. I do actually agree that if, if it takes you that long to get ready to throw the next pitch then you are not playing the game right. And you should be able to pitch. And, and this is something we're seeing too with these White Sox pitchers who are throwing uh, 120 pitches, but we're in the third inning. You know, it, a lot of that stems from this whole resetting every single time to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. Well, if you can't do that, then you have to learn some new pitches you have to figure out how you're going to throw with a little bit less behind every ball and still get batters out. And what that could lead to is more balls in play. And I hope it does. Uh, I'm not for banning the shift. I, I'm, I don't think that banning the shift is an interesting thing for us to do as fans of baseball. I think what you have to do is get the, the, the pitcher-batter relationship back to normal, back to what it has been, and then from there, the game can change itself because banning the ship, all that does is say, keep keep taking your time, keep throwing it 100 miles an hour. Well, Those guys any, just can't stand there now. Any batter who is not capable of learning how to hit the opposite way better be able to hit it 450 feet most of the time or play in AAA. Uh there's there's no excuse for that. They they've grown up. Well, the excuse is they've grown up that way. But you should learn it. It's not that hard. It's easier really than coming around on the ball. You get you get an extra, I don't know, two hundredths of a second or something. Uh, but here's where I think the pitch clock can change that. Is that if these pitchers aren't taking all that time to reset, so that the ball isn't coming in at maximum velocity every time. I think the hitters will be able to adjust and they will be able to start using the whole field again, because it's not like these guys aren't trying to. It's just that the pitching has become so fast and the movement has become so intense that batting has essentially become defense more than it has become offense. These guys are just trying not to strike out. They're trying to just get the bat as much of the bat on the ball as they can. I think if you get that pitch clock down and the pitchers are, you know, not able to throw a hundred every time and reset and do all of that, you're going to see batters who are prepared to hit the ball 
in different ways in, in, and use the field and use all the different tactics of the game a lot more. That is just my opinion. That does not mean that's what would happen, but I do think that's the case. Because when you give these pitchers all of this time, it changes the batter-pitcher relationship dramatically. And it puts the batter, I think, at a, an extreme disadvantage. Well, if you're in a situation where your team may only be able to have a few chances at, at hits per game, you're going to try to make them home runs because you've got to try to get someone around and, and, and across the plate. I think if the game is, if the pitchers have to pitch and have to speed up and can't rely on getting that full recovery, you're going to see a lot of batters swinging the bat a lot more. And when you get a lot more guys putting the bat on the ball, it's going to change the mindset from I got to hit a home run every time to if I get a double here and the next guy gets a single because we can do this now, then you start seeing a lot more of old school baseball. And, and I think that's really important because, you know, looking back forever, these guys weren't taking these reset times between pitches so that they could throw maximum velocity. The whole thing was, you know, hang in there as long as you can. Keep the game going. Catch batters off guard. Mess with people's timing a little bit. And, and we're not seeing that anymore. And I think that's what's led to this very sort of boring form of baseball that we've gotten to. Um, that is all the time we have. We've actually run long today. Uh, but I, I just want to uh, not not take you into the wee hours of the night with our first one back in 2022. <laughs> We're all just adjusting. We're all getting used to this again. Uh, hopefully this first ride back wasn't too bumpy for you. Uh, Geezer Geriatric, do you have any final thoughts? No, glad to be back. I would uh, imagine we'll probably, since this is on a, on a Sunday, we'll probably uh, come back in about 10 days after there's been some frig training and no doubt the White Sox have completely changed the starting lineup uh, and uh, replenished uh, the starting pitching rotation in the bullpen, and we'll find out what happens. But we will uh, we will be back for you uh, once spring training's gone. We will be back doing this uh, every week for the season, so you can look forward to another full season of sharing socks. Uh, I'm certainly, despite all the nonsense, thrilled baseball's back. I cannot wait. Thank goodness we got our game back. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. So we will see you next time. And it will be much sooner than last time I said that. Uh, We will see you next time right here on Sharing Socks.